right, let's take our Bibles and we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter number 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10, and we're going to look at specifically uh, the anointing of Saul as king uh, over Israel. Okay, and this is, um, this is a monumental day in the history of the nation of Israel. Uh, because here they are for the first time after all these years, they are now not only a nation kind of left to themselves, but they uh, are going to be a nation under the leadership of a king. Now we understand that this was not God's perfect will and plan for them, but it was something that he allowed for them to do, and he chose a man by the name of Saul, uh, not because of his talents or abilities or or anything like that, but just because he chose to use him uh, to be a king in Israel. So uh, 1 Samuel chapter 10, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. It says, Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? When thou art departed from me today... Then thou shalt find two men by Rachel's sepulcher in the border of Benjamin at Zelzah, and they will say unto thee, The asses which thou wentest to seek are found, and lo, thy father hath left the care of the asses, and sorroweth for you, saying, What shall I do for my son? Then shalt thou go on uh, forward from thence, and thou shalt come to the plain of Tabor, and there shall meet thee three men going up to God to Bethel, one carrying three kids and another carrying three loaves of bread and another carrying a bottle of wine. And they will salute thee and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shalt receive of their hands. After that thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, and it shall come to pass that when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and a tabret and a pipe and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy, and the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. And let it be when these things are come unto thee that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee and show thee what thou shalt do. And so here, if you remember last week, we looked at this Saul who came to Samuel as he was out looking for his father's donkeys. They, they came across Samuel and and uh, met with him, and it was there that, that, Sa that Saul would tell him how the Lord had appointed him to be king uh, over Israel, and he was going to tell him all that was in his heart. If you remember, uh, last week we talked about that. And here in verse number 1, we find that, that Samuel took a vial of oil and he poured it on Saul's head. This would have been uh, symbolic of the Lord's blessing on Saul's life. And so he, he poured this oil on his head, and it says verse, uh, in verse number 1, uh, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? Now we come 
uh, we, we find in the Bible often the word anoint or anointed. And a lot of times, of course, it's associated with uh, pouring something over the head. You know, pouring oil over the head. It's an, an anointing. But the word to anoint literally means to consecrate. It's used numerous times throughout the Bible. We're not going to look at uh, some of these examples, but, but the, the, it means to consecrate or to set apart for a, sp a specific or particular area of service. If you remember uh, back at the, the, in, the, in the book of Exodus, the, the giving of the law there, Aaron and his sons were to serve as the priests of God uh, among the people. And they were anointed for that purpose. And they uh, poured oil over them. They consecrated them to that area of service. And we find that happening throughout the Bible. And so oil being poured on someone uh, symbolized the Lord's anointing or his consecration. Samuel poured the oil on Saul's head. But it was God who was anointing him. Okay, He was just simply recognizing what happened. It, sim it symbolized... The consecration to an office or place of service. It symbolized the Spirit's enablement or empowerment for service. Imagine, if you would, for a moment, if you were just kind of going about your everyday life and the prophet of God came to you and said, God has uh, separated you and called you out to be a ruler over people, a, a, a king or a, a queen or a president. And basically, you're, you're just a normal, everyday, average Joe, and all of a sudden now you're put in this place of service and priority. Wouldn't that be a little bit overwhelming? Wouldn't you even maybe feel inadequate for that and, and not prepared for it? I know I would. And so this, this anointing that, that took place was really a reminder to Saul, listen, God is able... If he has separated you for this service, he is able to empower you uh, and give you the ability to carry it out. I think sometimes we're afraid to really yield to God's will for our lives because we feel like, oh, I can't do that. Maybe God has something for me that I'm not capable of. Well, I think that really the best place that you can be when it comes to serving the Lord is feeling incapable and unworthy because it's in that place that you rely upon and depend upon God and his enabling grace in your life. And so here Samuel is anointing Saul, reminding him, hey, God is able to do this through you. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it, right? <clears throat> and then uh, verses 2 through 8 or that we just read there, uh, Samuel gave some very... <laughs> detailed instructions to Saul. I mean, he told him exactly what was going to happen when he left him, that he would go on his way toward home, and as he did, these were the things that were going to happen. First of all, Saul would meet two men at Zelza who would confirm to him that the lost donkeys were found, and his father was worried about him. This would have probably been somewhere near Jerusalem. And then secondly, Saul would then meet three men going up to God to Bethel. They were uh, going to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. They would greet him and offer him two loaves of bread, which Saul was to receive. 
from there, Saul would go toward the hill of God. Where the hill of God was is not certain. Perhaps it was called the hill of God because a school of the prophets was located there. Or it may have been Geba since a garrison of the Philistines was there. But wherever it was, it's called the hill of God. And here, if you remember, Samuel's just kind of giving him uh, moment by moment updates. This is what's going to happen, okay? On his way to the hill of God, letter D, Saul would meet a group of prophets. And these prophets would, uh, were being trained or educated in the law and worship of God. Probably a school instituted by Samuel. If you have ever read through uh, the Old Testament and you read about the prophets there, one of the things that you find is a, a, a statement or a phrase that's used at times, the sons of the prophets. Have you ever uh, read that before, the sons of the prophets? It's not necessarily that they were uh, the offspring or descendants of prophets. They were young men, presumably, uh, who were in training to be used of the Lord in that way and were being led by other prophets of God. And so uh, it's most likely that these prophets... Uh, were part of some kind of a school that Samuel had started. He knew these men. They would then prophesy, which uh, could mean proclaiming God's truth or potentially just worshiping God in song. We see that in 1 Chronicles 25 and verse number 1. But they were prophesying to him. And then I, I love what it says here in verse number 6. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. Now, it, one of the things that you'll see as we look at the life of Saul is that there are actually several instances in his life where he prophesies. Even against his will at times. <laughs> um, and, and there was a phrase in Israel, is Saul also among the prophets? Because for whatever reason, God had uniquely appointed him and anointed him for a purpose. And here he comes to this group of prophets and prophesies with them. Point number three there under letter D. The Spirit of God would come on Saul and he would prophesy and notice this and be transformed or turned into another man. He said, thou shalt prophesy with them and shalt be turned into another man. Isn't it interesting that God had called and appointed and consecrated Saul for an office that he could only fulfill after God changed him. I think that's kind of noteworthy that, that there are times that God might lead us to something that not only are we incapable of and need God's grace, but we actually need God to change us in order to fit into that role. But God is perfectly capable of transforming us into the person that we need to be if we'll be yielded to him. God can change us. He turned Saul into another man. He gave him a new heart. All right, letter E, what was the purpose of these precise instructions and prophecies well, they were signs, but they were also intended to confirm to Saul that God was with him. I mean, he's being told that he's going to be the king by a prophet that he's heard about before, but he's never met Samuel. If you remember, when he came to, to, to Samuel and saw him face to face for the first time, he said, basically, is the prophet around? 
Yeah, I'm the prophet. You're talking to him. He didn't even know him. And so now that here's this total stranger who is, is giving him some very shocking and heavy uh, uh, instructions. Hey, you're going to be the next king over Israel. And I can't help but think that Saul was probably going, how do I know that this guy is legitimate? How do I know that he's the real deal, you know? Maybe it's just some crazy guy in town that pretends to be the prophet Samuel, you know? And so, so Samuel gives him all of these really precise uh, instructions as well as, as signs, basically. These things are going to happen. And as they were fulfilled, do you think that might have instilled some confidence in Saul that, hey, what Samuel said is true? And if what he said about these things is true, then it's also true that God can make me what he needs me to be, to be the king. Isn't it interesting how when we see God's promises fulfilled, it instills a greater confidence in us. It instills a, a, a greater faith that God is able and going to do. You know, there's a, there's a verse over in the New Testament, I think it's in the book of Romans... Uh, that it, it, it talks about patience working in us uh, certain things. It says that patience worketh experience and experience hope. Why does experience work hope in us? Well, because I've seen God come through before. And, and I, you know, I've been in a pinch before. I've been in a, a, a troublesome situation. And yet the Lord has worked in these situations. And that gives me confidence the next time I face a trial or a difficulty that God has always been faithful before and he's going to do the same thing today. And so the Lord sometimes will actually teach us to, to believe him and to trust in him based on what we have seen. And I think that's what, uh, what's happening in Saul's life here. This was confirmation. Okay, God is doing what he said he would do. Therefore, I can believe that he will do what he says he's going to do. Okay, and then um, look at verse or uh, number letter F there. Uh, Saul would also go to Gilgal. Uh, Samuel would meet uh, Saul there and offer sacrifices and offerings. Saul was to wait in Gilgal for seven days. This is really important. When Samuel arrived, he would offer sacrifices and give Saul further instruction. Now, this event wouldn't happen until later in 1 Samuel 13. We're still a few chapters away from that. But notice that he was to wait seven days for that to happen. And then look at verse number 9. It says, And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart, and those signs, and all those signs, came to pass that day. And when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him. And the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it came to pass, when all that uh, knew him before time saw that, behold, uh, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, What is this that, uh, that is come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And one of the same place answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? And when he had made an end of prophesying, he came to the high place. And so he, what we just read there, 
God gave him the, the, the new heart as he said he was going to. And then uh, when, when they came to the hill of God, the prophets met Saul. The Spirit of God came upon him and he also prophesied. And the people that knew Saul were surprised that he prophesied. I don't know if you've ever had that happen before. I'm not saying you've ever prophesied before, but have you ever done that where the Lord's used you to do something and, and you've had someone say, I didn't know you could do that. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you get up in church and you sing a special, I didn't know you could sing. Or uh, maybe you, you just are, are being sweet to someone, you bake a batch of cookies and bring it, I didn't know you could cook, you know, whatever the case is. These are I didn't know you could prophesy Saul, what's this about? Well, Saul couldn't. It wasn't Saul, it was God, it was the Spirit of the Lord upon Saul. And that really is true for us as well as we try to serve the Lord. It might be surprising to other people. I've known and watched uh, people grow from being young and, and watching them thinking they're really not much. I don't think that God could really do a whole lot with them. And then seeing them do that. I, I grew up with a, uh, I didn't grow up with him, but I knew this guy growing up that was kind of a, I guess, distant relative by marriage. And he was always a little bit, I always assumed he was a little bit slow mentally. Nice guy, um, but just, you know, not, not the most, just not the sharpest tool in the shed, you know. <laughs> And uh, really struggled in school. I think he he dropped out of school pretty young because he just he had some learning disabilities and 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 there were just a, it was kind of one of those things that you always I always looked at him and thought if this guy can grow up and and hold down some kind of a job and live on his own he'll be doing pretty well you know and he wasn't mentally off but just kind of a little bit slow. Well, when he was in his later teen years, I guess, he surrendered to preach. And I thought, I don't know about this. I don't know how it's going to go, you know. Well, then he went off to Bible college. And I think it took him seven or eight years to get through a four-year uh, program. But he did it. He stuck with it, and he finished. And then he got married, married a really good, faithful lady, and for the last probably close to 20 years, they've been serving together on the mission field, and the Lord's been using them to do a great work, and it's really incredible, I mean, to look at it, if you knew him then, like I did, and then you knew him now, you wouldn't even think it was the same person. Why is that? Because when a person is surrendered to God, God can do through them what they can't do themselves. And this was a surprise. Okay, Saul, you're not one of the prophets. No, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and enabled him to do something. What would that be? That would be a, a sign not only to him, but also to the people of Israel. Maybe God can use him to do something that we would have never expected that God could do through him. And so, uh, number two there, it became a proverb, is Saul also among the prophets? You'll see that phrase come up several times throughout his life. When, this prof when his prophesying came to an end, Saul went to the high place. And then uh, look with me at verse number 14. And Saul's uncle said unto him, 
and to his servant, Whither went ye? And he said, To seek the asses. And when they saw that there, and when we saw that there, that they were nowhere, we came to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, Tell me, I pray thee, what Samuel said unto you. And Saul said unto his uncle, He told us plainly that the asses were found. <laughs> but the matter of the kingdom, whereof Samuel spake, he told him not. <laughs> uh, I'll tell him what he said about these, uh, these asses being found, but I'm not going to tell him uh, that he told me that I'm going to be the king. <laughs> so um, number two there under letter K, Saul informed him about the missing donkeys and his meeting with Samuel. His uncle wanted to know about Saul's meeting with Samuel, but Saul told his uncle about Samuel telling him where the donkeys were found, but said nothing about the matter of Saul being king. Now, I don't know if he was just thinking, hey, I, if I tell him this, he's never going to believe me. Or maybe, you know, maybe he was even thinking back to, uh, do you remember in the book of Genesis when Joseph dreamed those dreams about his brothers bowing down to him? And then he went and told his brothers about it. It didn't go well for Joseph, you know. <laughs> like, and, and even the fact that, that basically he said his father and his mother were going to bow down to him as well and... It just didn't go over well with Joseph, and that was probably a big reason that he ended up getting uh, sold into slavery by his brothers, because they were angry and jealous that he would be so presumptuous that he was going to be higher than them. And so maybe, maybe Saul's thinking, man, it didn't go well for Joseph when he told them that he was going to rule over them, so I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I don't know. Uh, or maybe he was just afraid. You know, maybe he just thought, I, I just don't think I can do this. Um, but for whatever reason, he didn't bother telling him, you know, the big news. That's, it's kind of that burying the headline thing, right? <laughs> Saul, you're going to be king. What, what did Samuel say to you? Oh, he said you found the donkeys, you know. Uh, not so much. That's not really what he said. But anyway, uh, kind of an interesting situation. So uh, we're going to kind of stop the, the narrative there, and we'll pick it up next week. In verse 17, but some principles uh, or lessons to consider. First of all, signs were sometimes used to confirm God's work or his will. Uh, one reason for these particular signs uh, may have to do with his being, with this being the anointing of Israel's first king. It might just be that the Lord used these signs. He didn't use those signs for all the other kings that would follow after but he did for this one. Could it be that maybe the Lord was just trying to make everyone in Israel aware that he was in this, that he was going to be working in this way? Number two, God gave Moses signs to give to Pharaoh. Okay, If you remember, uh, the ten plagues really uh, were signs from God that God wanted Pharaoh to let his people go. Um, Number three, Gideon was given signs to confirm that God would be with him. Uh, number four, Jesus downplayed the role of signs. In fact, I want to hold our place here in 1 Samuel, but go with me over the, here to Matthew chapter 12, if you would. Uh, because sometimes, and, and there are people that still are very hung up on this, uh, even where we are today in the 21st century, they, I, I'm looking for a sign from God. And uh, <clears throat> that really isn't how we're supposed to live. 
Verse number 38 of Matthew 12. Then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. They're talking to Jesus. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So what's he saying? He's saying that it's really a wicked heart that is looking for a sign from God. Why? When I'm looking for a sign from God, I'm saying I'm not going to believe it unless I see it with my own eyes. We're not called to live by what we see. We walk by faith and not by sight. We're to walk by faith in the revealed word of God. We have his word. We take it by faith. And we live in obedience to it. So even those signs are certainly part of the Bible. And God would sometimes use them to confirm things to his people. Uh, They were never intended to replace God's clearly revealed uh, will and word. Okay, Letter C there. We're reminded in our lesson today about the powerful influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I want to remind you. Uh, There in 1 Samuel 10, 6 and 9, God changed Saul. It was the Spirit of God that gave him a new heart and that turned him into another man. God can work in our lives and by His Spirit lead us and make us what He wants us to be if we will allow the Holy Spirit to influence us in the way that He wants to. As we walk in the power and fullness of the Holy Spirit, He changes and enables us. Letter D, two things stand out in this passage. For Saul to be successful as king, he must follow God's detailed instructions and directions. And he must have the help of the Spirit of God. This, I believe, is what really, uh, what Samuel was trying to teach Saul. First of all, You need to be obedient to God in every detail because God cares even about the little things, even about the little details. It matters. Secondly, if you're yielded to him, he can do in you and through you what he wants to do. Okay? So, questions and discussion for today. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 speaks of God's anointing in our lives. What do you think that says about his ability to equip us and to do whatever his, wi- whatever his will for us is? In other words, Saul was anointed. But really, we as God's people are also anointed. Maybe even in a greater way, even though we've never had a prophet pour oil over our head. Because at the moment of salvation, we receive the Spirit of God and His indwelling in our lives. And we are now His chosen, consecrated, anointed people. What do you think that says about His ability to lead us and to equip us to be what He wants us to be? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, he is. And that's, it sounds simple, 
But really, how often do we hold back in our obedience to the Lord because we're afraid that we are not able? When what we really need to do is look up and say, but he is able. He's able to use me. He's able to do to, to make me, even if it means he has to change me, he can do that. Letter B there, when God's spirit came upon Saul, he became another man. In what ways might it affect our lives if we're being filled with or influenced by the Holy Spirit? What do you think it what might look like in your life or in my life if we're really letting the Holy Spirit work through us? Yes, sir. Yeah. It certainly would. It, it would remove limitations. And I think in addition to that, it would even... It would change our desires. If I'm letting the Holy Spirit live through me and work through me... I'm not just, it's not like I tapped into some magical power so that I can accomplish my greatest dreams. It's not like I, you know, I found this solution to be the better version of me. No, really, when I am relying on and walking in the Spirit of God, what happens is my desires and my hopes and dreams and wishes align with His... And he's able to use me not to accomplish my will, but his will. Yes, ma'am. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so often we're driven by that, what, what is going to happen? What's going to be the outcome of this? Instead of just saying, Lord, this is what you've led me to do. I'm just going to be obedient and leave the results to you. Brother David? And lastly, 
I already gave you maybe my opinion, but why do you think that Saul didn't tell his uncle about the matter of the kingdom? Any, any thoughts on that? I'll leave that. I'll leave that. I'll leave you to ponder on that one a little bit. All right. And there might be something to that. All right. So next week, uh, if you'd read over chapter ten here, verses seventeen through twenty-six, and uh, hopefully that'll be encouraging to you and helpful as we get into the actual study of the kings. Okay.